episode of the gavel podcast i'm adam and i'm christopher the gavel podcast is the official podcast of sigma new fraternity and it's a show dedicated to keeping you updated on the operations of the legion of honor and connecting you to the stories from our brotherhood to find out more from the fraternity you can always check out our website at sigmanew.org you can also find us on instagram facebook and twitter at at sigmanewhq or by searching for sigma new fraternity Christopher, hello, and hello, all of our wonderful listeners. You can't tell by my voice, but I am crackling tan. I am I am just crispy <laughs> from all of my time on the beach. Yes. Well, and, and I actually got a double dose. Uh, so you are alluding to the fact that we um, just, or just a, few, a little while ago, uh, concluded the uh, 2023 uh, 70th Grand Chapter. Uh, but then we went right into the 4th of July holiday. Uh, I got to spend some time with my folks uh, down near uh, Wilmington, North Carolina, which is on the coast. Uh, and so I got a double dose. I don't know about you. Yeah, Fort Lauderdale and then uh, Des Moines, Iowa. So um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I would say most of my tan probably came from Fort Lauderdale. So you are back to uh, getting ready to go into hibernation for the winter. <laughs> yeah, yep. Um, the, the leaves are already changing. Uh, the, the animals are already preparing their nests. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for the first uh, snow that's going to come in late August. That two weeks of summer uh, has come and gone. Yep. It was wonderful while it lasted. Um, well, uh, everyone, appreciate you all for, for uh, joining us here. We've got a wonderful episode. Our first episode of season six. Um, yeah. Very exciting. Um, yeah. So so our our guest uh, for today is Noah Borton. Uh, Christopher, care to, care to share a little bit about Noah? Yeah. So we've been excited or I've been personally excited to do this episode for a, a long time. Uh, Me too. So I've also been excited. <laughs> of course. Uh, Noah, it, it, the opportunity to interview Noah was, was personal. Um, I, we'll talk about this in their interview, but um, you know, when I was in my freshman year of college, uh, I had the opportunity to attend, I guess at the conclusion of my freshman year, uh, the 2009 college of chapters, uh, and Noah was a small group leader at that time. Uh, and so he was a small group leader for uh, my session of College of Chapters. I uh, got to know him uh, during that experience uh, and have really admired him from afar ever since then. Uh, Noah was a staff member working for the Joint Fraternity from 2000 to 2004. Um, he left staff to uh, go and you know, pursue um, you know, some opportunities in higher education, uh, he left higher education to go and work for Delta Upsilon um, International Fraternity, uh, where he is today. He currently serves as their senior director of educational programs. Um, but in addition to you know being able to talk to fraternity brothers, you know who work for other uh, fraternity or sorority experiences, like we have done in the past with um, uh, you know guys like uh, Ryan Hartwig, for example. Um, Noah was recently elected as the president of the Association of Fraternity Story Advisors. Uh, Noah has been a longtime volunteer for the association. He serves as the co-editor for uh, the Perspectives magazine. Um, he has been previously on the AFA board. Uh, and so uh, also he's been recognized as a, um, an award winner for their Sucraft Fusel, Fusel Distinguished Service Award. Uh, and so he has had a really accomplished and, um, and is well respected accomplished career and is well respected, of course, uh, within the profession. Um, but the fact that he is now the president of the association gives us the opportunity to get some insight from him and to, I think, the uh, fraternity and sorority movement at large, uh, but then also to have someone who has valuable experience um, serving as both the campus-based advisor for a short while, a headquarters staff for two separate organizations, 
He's been a uh, volunteer for the organization. He currently serves as a, an alumni advisory board uh, member for our, I believe, Beta Zeta chapter. Yes, Beta Zeta chapter. Uh, so Purdue um, has been a division commander in the past. So a lot of service, a lot of unique experiences. Uh, and I think he's actually uh, in rare company among Sigma News who have served um, uh, as AFA president. I think the only other person is uh, Sigma New Hall of Fame member, Victor, uh, Dr. Victor Roshini. Um, uh, who is a, a Lambda Epsilon brother. Uh, sorry, I, I misspoke. He is a uh, Beta Iota brother from the University of Mount Union, the current chancellor of TCU, uh, where our yes. Lambda Epsilon chapter is located. Um, but even more unique that uh, for Noah being a Sigma Nu as the president of the association, he is also the first um, headquarters staff person to hold um, a position as president, typically as campus-based staff who were uh, in in that leadership position. So, um, a really unique and fun opportunity for us. And uh, and Noah's a great guy. So, um, just uh, additional reasons that we're excited to have this interview. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, now that you've sufficiently hyped it up, uh, let, let's dive into this <laughs> interview. Yeah. Um, let, let's get into it, and we'll see you guys on the back. Welcome back. Uh, so we are joined with a special guest for today's episode, uh, Noah Borton. Uh, Noah is a past staff member of the fraternity. Uh, he currently works uh, as the senior director for educational programs for uh, Delta Upsilon Fraternity uh, and is the current president of the Association, Association of Fraternity Story Advisors. Um, Noah, welcome to the Sigma Nu Fraternity podcast, The Gavel. Hey, thanks, Chris. Appreciate it. Good to be here. Yeah, yeah, we're glad, we're to, glad have to have you. So uh, I have been super excited about this uh, for a long time. I mean, I can actually think to um, a very early moment of my fraternity uh, experience of being at the 2009 College of Chapters, uh, and Noah was my small group leader uh, for the College of Chapters breakouts. Uh, and so ever <laughs> since then, you know, I've had this kind of like... Um, you know, uh, admiring from a far view, because uh, unfortunately you were not on staff whenever I uh, joined the team, but, you know, we're doing awesome things, I believe, at, at that time at um, the University of Eastern Michigan. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Eastern Michigan University. Yep. Yep. Uh, and now uh, lighting the world on fire at DU. Um, but <laughs> it's always been a cool opportunity for me because I think you have been, you know, a touch point, you know, at least from that early part of my fraternity experience. And so now getting the opportunity to interview you today. Uh, I think is an exciting milestone for me personally. So, Noah, uh, excited to have the opportunity to talk to you. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I appreciate you being too kind here. You're too, being too kind, but good to have that little <laughs> walk down memory lane and remember some good uh, College of Chapters experiences from back in the day. Kind of really going back into the memory bank on this one. Well, speaking of, um, so something that we tend to do with all of our episodes to start off when we're speaking with an alumnus is hearing your story. Uh, I think everybody has kind of that as a common thread, um, but your story is likely unique. Um, and so we want to hear about that. So you had the opportunity to join the Lambda Iota chapter at Southern Utah University. Um, but what yeah. was it about Sigma Nu that, you know, made you decide to, that you wanted to join? Sure. Um, you know, I think uh, probably in a lot of ways I had probably um, uh, kind of a, a typical story and journey that probably a lot of people would relate with, you know, sitting in my dorm room, Juniper Hall, uh, you know, B200, hanging out, uh, not really getting engaged a whole lot in my freshman year. And I, I ended up joining in the spring. Um, I think I was kind of that that stereotypical guy. I remember still telling my dad, don't worry, dad, I'm, I would never consider a fraternity. Like I can't drink enough to, to go hang out with those guys. And, um, then, you know, I was actually at the point, uh, kind of halfway through where I was looking at places to transfer, just had not really found a niche, had not found a, a kind of sense of belonging on campus, I guess would be how we see it talked about these days. But, um, back then it was framed more as just this sucks and I hate being here. Um, 
And uh, then, you know, a couple of guys on my dorm floor, I remember, you know, had T-Roy and Nick and were hanging out and like, hey, you know, you should come come check out Sigma News sometime. Like, oh, no, I, don't, I don't think that's my kind of thing, you know. And they're like, well, just go, let's, let's hang out a little bit. Let's hang out. And, you know, just started uh, coming around with some of the guys and had uh, a couple other guys on my dorm floor, um, you know, Nate and Neil. You know, Neil I still talk with every day today. And, um, you know, started looking into the fraternity and realizing, like, you know, there's just a really great uh, connection here. Really felt welcome, felt cared for. Um, you know, the, the uh, kind of Sigma Nu values and, um, you know, the way the guys were, were talking about what it meant to be a part of this fraternity really resonated for me, really loved the opportunity to get involved in the community, to really try to make a difference, to really try to make a contribution, um, and just to have uh, that community, right? And so uh, decided to accept my bid and uh, jumped right in and um, you know, ended up really getting some great opportunities to be involved in the chapter and, you know, served on executive board for a couple of years, was able to serve as chapter commander. And I think maybe I guess you referenced your College of Chapters story, uh, you know, a few years before that. I actually had the opportunity to be in uh, Dave Manila's group um, at College of Chapters in, uh, in Norman, Oklahoma that year, and that was really impactful for me. And um, really opened up some opportunities for me to get involved with the LEAD program as we were kind of just launching what LEAD uh, ended up becoming at that point. And I really found an interest there. Um, and so uh, then uh, I still remember one day walking into the chapter house, kind of senior year, and, or, you know, all the mail was sitting on the table. And, and I guess, you know, Sigma Nu used to send out this thing called letters, you know, it was like in a little envelope. <laughs> um, so guys from my age will, will remember like just getting bombarded by mail from headquarters. Um, it used to be a thing. Uh, so, uh, you know, one day there was sent out a letter saying they look, they were looking for leadership consultants and uh, there was an opportunity available. I was like, Oh, you know, I don't have anything lined up for next year. It'd be kind of cool to just go, uh, travel around for a year and have that Sigma new experience. And I had gotten to know a couple of guys uh, with that quarter staff through some of the Sigma new programming and going to grand chapter and college chapters and whatnot. And so I decided to, you know, pick up the phone and give them a call and had a great chance to have a little sit down with Todd Denson. Um, and, and Todd <laughs> took good care of me and uh, told me As all he the does. great things. Yep. Yep. Todd was great. Todd was like my, my introduction and kind of my, my guide into Sigma Nu on the international level, which certainly still appreciate him for. And, um, and so I got the chance to come on, uh, with the, with the headquarters staff and, you know, kind of the classic scenario of like, um, you know, I'm going to do this for a couple of semesters and it turns into three years real fast as, as you certainly know, Chris, and it sounds like you probably know as well, Adam. Um, Yep. And, and decided that uh, from there, like, you know, I really enjoyed just working with students, really loved the higher education environment. And um, so ended up deciding to go back and get a master's degree at the University of Michigan in higher education administration. And that kind of opened up my uh, kind of higher education and, and fraternity sorority advising career. So I guess that's kind of the, the initial phase from, uh, you know, nerdy, poorly dressed, awkward freshman to nerdy poorly dressed awkward young professional this is the case for us all really um it's it is funny how for so many of us the trajectory is what i'm gonna join a fraternity what uh to (laughs) now we've been uh career professionals in this industry for for several years (laughs) (laughs) yep yep indeed but yeah still you know a lot of fond memories of uh Southern Utah, a great group of guys there that, uh, you know, when I reflect back on it, I think I was really fortunate uh, just being able to be surrounded by this group that really took me in. And I think I just, they were really just invested in helping me, um, you know, develop self-confidence, be successful, put me in a position where um, I can achieve the goals that I want to achieve, right? And so great, and challenge me and hold me accountable and, 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 and make me push to do more than I thought that I could. And so I just felt really fortunate to end up uh, with that group of guys and, and certainly really fortunate to have that undergraduate experience. Yeah. 
Well, so one of the reasons why we wanted to have you on the, this episode, not or in addition to, to all the other reasons that we would have you on, but you re were recently uh, elected as the Association of Fraternity Sorority Advisors president. Now, this is kind of a, uh, you know, uh, I, I think a long, um, maybe somewhat inevitable, uh, <laughs> I think, journey for you because you have been involved with the association for so long uh, mm -hmm. in various roles on the, the Oracle, the um, the like, research magazine for the association, uh, but just it's also service to the board. But I think for a lot of our listeners uh, who often are volunteers or um, alumni who you know have kind of a you know uh, a loose association with the national organization, um, mm -hmm. the association and what it does is you know not really known to them. So I thought it would be helpful yep. to talk about that a little bit and then kind of get a unique perspective of um, what is the association, what does it do, what's the perspective maybe of the campus-based advisors who you know, also are, um, uh, or the association advocates for, and, you know, as, as it advocates for the larger profession. Um, but yeah, so kind of, it's a multifaceted question, but essentially I think it drills down to what is the association of fraternity Sorority advisors? And then what are your responsibilities as its president? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. So got a chance to, um, uh, get, tapped in, I guess, uh, to take on this, this leadership opportunity. And certainly it's been a, a, a great opportunity. I think people are very kind, uh, in thinking of me and, and reaching out and, and kind of giving me this chance to maybe try to help the organization in, in some capacity. Uh, so AFA is kind of the, the, typical kind of common name uh, for the association, Association of Sorority Advisors. Really, it's a, it's a professional association for individuals who are engaged in the work of fraternity sorority advising, right? So are engaged in work that supports fraternities and sororities. And I think you're seeing that continue to evolve and grow in terms of what that um, means and what that looks like, you know, uh, when the organization uh, was really created, uh, I guess, what, 45-ish years ago, um, you know, it was really this kind of emerging group of individuals who worked on campus, you know, in like dean of students offices and, and campus activities offices and whatnot that were kind of, you know, like the um, the director of fraternity sorority life or the dean of fraternity sorority affairs or something like that is what it probably would have been back in the day. Um, and they were, they came together, uh, to establish some opportunity for like, collaboration, for networking, for idea sharing, right. Um, as you ended up with kind of this role where you had these people scattered across the country where they're the only person that does what they do on a college campus, right. And they were looking for like, you know, who's somebody else that like gets what I'm doing and I can, you know, do some problem solving with and have some connection with, right? And so you really saw AFA kind of emerge from that, but it's it's really continued to grow and evolve over the years. And now you certainly see as uh, headquarters staffs have, have evolved and become more professionalized and more robust, I think you've seen a greater demand for this professional development and, and professional association among headquarters staff. You've seen uh, kind of more, I would say, entrepreneurship and private entities entering into the fraternity sorority space, and uh, a number of them have had connection points and involvement with AFA as well. And and certainly, you see uh, a lot of volunteers that are engaged in fraternity sorority support getting involved, especially with um, I mean, more culturally based organizations and even maybe local organizations or kind of more emerging fraternities fraternities and sororities. Um, and so uh, kind of all that is to say now really what the, the purpose of the organization is, is to you know provide professional development, training, resources for individuals who you know, work in supporting and working with fraternities and sororities um, in you know, any capacity really. And then it also provides an opportunity for uh, community, right? For collaboration, networking. Um, you know, like I like to say that a, a good purpose that, that we serve is providing the space where, you know, someone like 
you all like a, like a Scott Smith, you know, like a Fred Dobry can, can be in the same environment with folks that are working on campus every day, folks that are working in, uh, you know, maybe some of the private organizations every day that, that support friends and sororities and, and developing relationships, you know, knowing who each other is so that, you know, when, the, when something comes up where we need to support a chapter, that's not the, the first time you're ever having a conversation with that person, right? Instead of, you know, having a conversation with the director at some campus you're having a conversation with you know joe that i've known for years and have a connection with and so i I think you see a real a real value there uh as well um and so that's kind of really what i would say it is that we do as an organization right and kind of the, the short tagline that I offer rather than him you know, giving you like the long podcast answer, right? The, the, the short like elevator talk is, you know, really we're working with these folks who work with attorneys and sororities and try to keep trying to help them be better at their jobs and trying to give them resources they need to be successful and supporting our students. Yeah. The, uh, the, what do you do question when you're sitting on an airplane and you know, you have to try to quickly <laughs> answer it. Um, <laughs> The last thing, though, I want to answer, I want to ask you related to this is, you know, and this is more of maybe an observation, you know, than as a question. But, you know, my assumption is, you know, you you bring kind of a unique perspective to this role as president and that you have served in so many different types of roles. You've been, you know, on a headquarters staff for two different organizations. You've worked on a campus. You've been a volunteer. You know, I I would venture to guess that that. Um, you know, has aided you in this role of being able to both speak the language of, or the common language of fraternity and sorority life, but then also the unique languages of what is the unique experience of only having worked for a professional headquarters staff, or similarly, you know, on a campus, and or, you know, as you were talking about some of the more culturally based organizations or MPHC organizations, you know, having maybe been a volunteer, but then also having an expectation of national leadership for the organization. Um, yeah, that's my assumption is that, you know, that you get to bring that to the table. Do you feel like that is true? Uh, yeah, I think certainly I feel like my experience has helped set me up to be successful in this role and to maybe help provide some, some good input and insight. Uh, and hopefully I think maybe to help open up some opportunities for me to be able to engage others and, and give other people a platform for their voices to be heard through the work of the association. Um, and it, yeah, it is, I guess, a little bit unique to have me serving this role. I guess I, I am the first uh, headquarters staff member that's ever been elected as president of the association. Uh, I think always prior to this, it had been someone who works in a campus capacity. So, you know, I do think I'm able to bring a little bit of a different lens and in, um, in understanding, you know, the the organizational side of things. And, and um, I think, you know, as as you guys can certainly understand, you know, there's there's just some differences that emerge when you're like trying to figure out how to make an organization run. Right. Um, and, and some things that you need to be aware of there, I guess. Um, you know, I think also something I've really been able to lean on is, is kind of just having a track record with the organization having a volunteer experience with the organization. And I think, it, um, you know, like you said, I've been able to volunteer for years in several different capacities. I think it was like perspectives as the magazine of the association. So I was editor of the magazine for a few years and served on the editorial board there. And I think, um, you know, really was, it was a, a great opportunity for me from a professional development standpoint, just helping me, uh, learn, uh, develop new understanding, develop some new skills that I could utilize in my work and, and develop relationships that, that I could utilize in, in connecting with others. Um, you know, in, in speaking to like, how does this help me in understanding the association and understanding the work that we're engaging in? I think something I really see is critical right now is you see that there's a lot of different ways to experience fraternities and sororities, right? And I mean, like, even we could look at the the three of us probably all have uh, certainly a uh, unique fraternity background and there's clearly some commonalities here around Sigma Nu and, and whatnot, but certainly, you know, the, 
the way that fraternities existed at Southern Utah University is looks a lot different than what it was like at, at NC State uh, 10, 15 years later, right? Now, Adam, where are you from? What, what's your chapter? I don't think I can. Uh, North Dakota State. Uh, ah, North Dakota East State. Dakota All right. Yeah. Ah, some good memories going up and working with those guys. Actually, I got to attend initiation at your chapter one time. Um, no kidding. What, what year? Uh, man. Long time uh, ago, yeah. <laughs> like not to, 2002. Not to force bro. you to date yourself. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know if you were born yet. All right, but, uh, yeah. Hey, yeah. All right. All right. Um, well, I, I will say you, uh, yeah. we do. Uh, no, yeah, we do have some uh, 2001 year old, uh, 2001 uh, born in 2001 uh, staff now. So yeah. it's getting there. <laughs> it's getting there. Yeah, man. Well, age comes for us all. I'll tell you what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, so how does this help me out, right? And I think uh, you see that that's only becoming more expansive, right? Like, there's just so many different ways that someone can experience uh, what a fraternity is, right? And I think fraternity can be something different to a lot of people in higher education today. And so I think that diversification um, and that variety of experience, I think, is, is one of the things that's helping make this uh, this institution, this organization still relevant and successful in uh, kind of contemporary higher education, right? Uh, then when you take it to the support side, you know, the way in which you can engage in transferable work uh, is becoming increasingly varied, right? And is becoming um, something that can take on a lot of different forms and, and working in fraternity sorority life and, and working to support fraternities and sororities might mean some different things to different people as well. Right. And so I think having a little bit of variety in my background has just helped me develop an appreciation for that and recognize that maybe uh, engaging in this work doesn't have to look the same for me as it looks for someone in, an, in another type of environment. Right. Um, but, you know, just because it doesn't reflect kind of what my experience has been doesn't mean it's not valuable, credible, doesn't mean they're not doing great things. Um, and so I think there's real value as an association in having community for all these different individuals, as well as figuring out what are all these different needs so that we can help make them be successful in the way that they are working with fraternities and sororities, right? Like, so I'm kind of, my mentality coming into this, I think with but the campus experience, the different headquarters experience, volunteer experiences has been uh, kind of like a big tent mentality, right? Like we need everybody engaged in the work of helping this experience thrive if we're going to get to where we need to be. Nice. So, Noah, I, I was kind of struck by something you said uh, kind of in your, your story, right? Like you, you never really expected uh, to join a fraternity and now all of a sudden you're i would say arguably one of the you know couple dozen most involved uh you know people in fraternity sorority in, in the country right like that's that like to go from you know not really considering it to to the place that you're at now um you know there has to be some kind of like you know, fulfilling uh um, portion of it or something that it's it's driving you to to you know, motivate you to stay engaged and um, and to support this, like you truly believe in it or, um, you know, there, there is that motivating factor there. What, 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 what's motivating you to stay engaged, to, you know, support the movement, um, and just continue advocating for a fraternity sorority life experience, you know, especially as we move into kind of this modern <laughs> era of it, right. Where, um, it might, it's, uh, it looks different than it did, you know, 20 years ago or even, mm -hmm. um, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Uh, well, I don't, I don't know that I would, that I would put myself up there with, uh, with a group of a couple of dozen, you know, there's probably there thousands of people out there that are, you know, equally, or I think more so engaged and committed than I am. And, you know, I'm, you know, part of the team, you know, um, yeah. and, uh, you know, trying to, trying to do some good work and, um, I guess, I don't know, why am I still here? What am I doing? Um, you know, some days you ask that question more than others, I guess, but, um, maybe because, uh, they just keep inviting me back <laughs> and <laughs> they let, you know, they just let me keep hanging out. And so I keep showing up. Um, <laughs> 
I think, uh, you know, I, I have really enjoyed uh, this work. Uh, you know, in some regard, I, said I would go back to some of my memories of my Sigma Nu experience. I think I mentioned I had the opportunity to connect with Dave Manella and um, and get engaged in some of the early lead program, uh, you know, launches and serve on the lead committee as an undergraduate. And then um, I think, you know, is, is really a, a great experience for me getting to travel around as a leadership consultant and, you know, presenting these workshops, working with chapters on that, you know, just most fundamental level. I don't, I don't know that it can get just more in it than sitting on somebody's couch and being fully engaged in how are we going to make this work for you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a really meaningful experience for me. I think I learned a lot, and it, it, it really helped me find um, kind of an area of passion for me, um, which has has kept me kind of connected to the fraternity and kept me engaged. I mean, and I, think, I think something I'm always really appreciative of is having those opportunities with the lead program through Sigma Nu, which now, you know, kind of, I said, like, launched my entire career, essentially, right? Like getting the opportunity to learn about leadership development, to engage in some uh, curriculum development conversations, to be able to stand up in the front of a room and and deliver a program, uh, you know, really set me on the path for everything that I have now. And so I think there's certainly on some level just an appreciation and and wanting to continue contributing to that, you know, and and appreciating the the opportunities I had there through Sigma Nu and, and that, you know, folks like Dave and certainly Brad Beecham and David Glassman and Todd Denson opened up for me. Right. Um, and then, you know, as I've, as I've gotten involved and stayed connected with the fraternity experience, I think ultimately, you know, clearly there's challenges, right? Like some things have been like not great sometimes and there's criticisms and sometimes those criticisms are, are valid. Um, but, uh, you know, I also see where this experience has had real value. Has had real value for me. I think it can have a real impact when we do it the right way and when guys are given the right opportunities to succeed. And um, and that's something I want to be a part of. Um, I, I find that compelling. Still, I find it enjoyable to. Um, be able to engage in helping to coach our young men, helping them find their path, helping them become successful in whatever endeavors it is that, that they want to do. And I, you know, there, I think there are a lot of different ways to do that, right? There's a lot of different vehicles available in higher education through which you can find community, find your best friends, you know, find your future groomsmen and get set up for success in your career. Right. But fraternity is the one that I've gotten connected with. Fraternity is the one that I love. And, and, uh, and, and I think, you know, hopefully it's one that I maybe have something to offer. Um, and so I guess as, as long as they keep answering the phone, I'm going to, you know, keep calling and, and see if they'll let me come hang out a little bit. I love that. Yeah. And it, uh, you know, it, Never really changes, right? Like that, there's always kind of a cycle of of um, you know, young men coming in, and and the ex- the the archetypes and the experiences that they have are, are kind of this this repeating thing. So to be able to like take these years of experience and layer that on to that and support that is is you know such a such a neat thing. Um, so you know, to that end, I mean, with your with your experience, um, you know, in um, fraternity and sorority uh, and, and in supporting it what do you see kind of as the um, the most critical issue facing fraternity sorority right now Um, and and, you know how do you think uh, you know the community needs to rise to to face that yeah good question there Uh, that's that's probably like you know a whole podcast series in and of itself (laughs) you know you're talking about our our cycle here of, of the 19 year olds coming in. And I guess, you know, one thing I have said is that the one most dependable thing you can expect out of 19 year olds is they do seem to repeatedly act like they're 19. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that does create some challenges, um, and, and some things we need to deal with. I mean, so the, the, the easy answer there is like, clearly there's some issues around behavior and conduct and, um, and, you know, meeting expectations uh, that, that certainly, you know, provide some threats to the continued success of fraternities, right? Uh, but, you know, that's not a new 
thing. I mean, we've it's I, always I, been a thing. Yeah, I mean, I remember like in like history of higher education class reading like letters from university presidents in like the mid 1800s being like, yeah, we have these fraternity things that have showed up and I'm like, not really sure about these things. I don't think we really want them around here. Right. Um, so like, you know, concern for 19 year olds uh, making poor decisions is is like always going to be a part of the equation. Right. And it's always going to be something that we're working to, to help them learn and help them develop um but, uh, you know, something I see, and this is maybe more a lens I gain through involvement with the international organization and involvement maybe through AFA and, and getting to engage with some of my, my peers on that level. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely some dynamics, I think, in how higher education is evolving that, that really provides some some threats. I think we're clearly still kind of figuring out how enrollment patterns are going to shift post COVID. Um, I think you're seeing, uh, you know, one, a shift toward like kind of flagship and prominent universities really seeing increased enrollment growth. Uh, I think you're seeing then a lot of challenges with uh, enrollment and stability at maybe some of our more regional and comprehensive and smaller private institutions. Um, You know, then just on the whole, you're seeing a greater diversification of students in higher education. um, And that's bringing then different backgrounds, different interests, different needs. um, And that's coming in the backdrop of a higher education environment that's also, uh, you know, has more variety and opportunities and involvements and and ways to meet those needs than you've ever seen before. So fraternities need to figure out how to respond to that. Um, You know, we can't just operate like it's 1985 meeting 1985 needs and expect to appeal to the the needs and the student of 2030 right um then along with that i think you see there's some real challenges with the financial model that we're operating on especially in like um you know kind of like the nic member organizations you know the sigma news of the world you see um you know models that are really rooted in a lot you know a primarily housing-based model or a model that really depends on kind of a larger chapter size um, and uh, being at campuses that can support that. Um, you know, that is uh, presenting some real challenges because I think you're seeing probably the spaces that can support that uh, are diminishing, right? And, and so we have to find a way to tap into new markets and tap into new student environments uh, where we can support those student needs and um, and make it work, right? But, um, you know, I guess kind of meandering a little bit in the conversation here, but, um, you know, I think that the need for all these resources is being driven by increased uh, demand for greater services, more professionalized services for the headquarters, right? I mean, you know, the stuff you guys are doing, at Sigma Nu, the just the level of the staffing, the level of the support and services, like just blows the stuff we were doing out of the water, right? Like, um, you know, and, and I'm continually impressed by the stuff that's coming out of Sigma Nu. And you guys have, you know, amassed a phenomenal staff, uh, just incredible. Um, but you know that comes at a cost, right? Like you have to invest to get talent, right? Um, you have to invest to create services, and that is, uh, you know, that that creates a something on the other end where you have to be able to um, create a financial model that can support that, right? Um, then the other dynamic that's that's really I think applying pressure is clearly you know. Um, Risk issues are driving, um, uh, you know, certainly insurance rates and legal losses, and and that certainly creates a threat for the organization as well. And yeah, you, know, you kind of put all that into a pot together, and it's just at some point you start pricing people out of the experience, right? And um, you are seeing. Uh, an environment in higher education where the number of people that can afford that experience and gain access to that experience is becoming a smaller and smaller pool, you know? And so you're looking at having greater and greater 
dependence on a smaller and smaller population. And that's not like a great um, recipe for long-term sustainability of any type of business and any type of market, right? So, um, so what's the challenge? That. You know? Yeah, yeah. All, all, all of that rolled into one big ball of problem, right? <laughs> well, and to echo your point, Noah, I mean, Adam and I had a chance to uh, to attend the Fraternity Communications Association, a different association. Uh, we had hundredth anniversary, big year. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Uh, we attended their annual meeting and Justin Kirk was there, uh, executive director for DU. Um, Hi, boss. But yeah, um, but non-dues revenue, I think is that's that's the buzzword, you know, that you hear mm-hmm. so much of like, how do we create new streams of of money so that we're, we're not having to put this all on our collegiate members, you know, through dues increases or you know, even from the foundation's perspective of like, hey, we're, we're asking, you know, people to give, um, but we have uh, an expanding or expanding budget. Like, you know, how do we continue to afford this? Uh, and so, you know, everybody is talking about non-dues revenue. Like, how do we make this affordable? So it, it everything you're saying, we, I think, are seeing mm-hmm. and, and hearing and, you know, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly... Uh, a big challenge and I think you know you also see that you're probably going to have to figure out a way to service chapters in different ways in different environments right and I think you know that's always been the same to some degree right you know uh, the the experience the environment that you're having at the University of Georgia is is just different than what it's going to look like at a North Dakota State a Southern Utah Cal State LA right um but now I think you're looking at not only is there going to be some kind of just regional and kind of different cultural differences, you're going to, it's going to be a, a, an actual different like financial model that's going to work. You know, it's going to be just a, a whole different organizational structure that's going to work on one campus versus another. And, you know, I think I struggle with that in my work of figuring out how to make that fit and, and where maybe there's some some lines there of like we can we can make a good fraternity experience happen on this campus and maybe we can't on this campus and, and that is a is a challenge you know that we're trying to figure out so so um where, where do we go right how so we how do we how do we um enable our our alumni which is like the majority of our our members right are 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 graduated um and are out in the world and you know, how how do they how do they best continue to give back uh, and and help keep the organization mm-hmm. going or you know, the organization and the movement you know, fraternity sorority life as a as an entirety <laughs> yeah, good question. I don't know that I have like any magic answers for you there, man. I think yeah, ultimately well, in, in my work, in my thought, like, you know, just, I mean, every answer I give is, well, there's just a lot of different things in a lot of different ways. Right. So, uh, but I, w- I would say that for alumni, like everybody has to find like, what is their way to be meaningfully connected, meaningfully engaged and, and provide support. And I think that's going to look different for a lot of people, you know, for, for someone, maybe it is, you know, that 10 bucks a month they can throw into uh, a scholarship fund to, to help a chapter out, right? Maybe somebody it's going to be being that chapter advisor that is, you know, at meeting in the house, like really engaging, you know, providing that coaching development every single year. Maybe for some alumni, it's going to be, um, you know, being able to come in and do a little career development talk, right. Or being able to come give a, a speech at the annual homecoming banquet, right. And, um, providing some support and, and connection there. And for some, maybe it's going to be more of like engagement with the, the international organization and, in helping to, uh, provide some support there or, you know, uh, contributing through a volunteer role, um, you know, so I, I think it can be a lot of different ways. Like we don't need everyone, you know, showing up to the chapter house every single day, right? We just, we need to have some people, you know, showing up to the chapter house. We need to have some people that can provide their treasure, some people that can provide, you know, some of that mentorship and uh, career coaching and guidance. And some people that are just going to be advocates and, and care and, you know, 
read the Delta and, you know, give us a like <laughs> on Facebook and still care that we're putting in the work, right? Like that all matters. Um, I think a couple of pieces just that I've experienced over the years and some things that I think would really help us maybe is, um, you know, one thing we need alumni, our alumni to understand that it's we're, it's not about creating their experience. Honestly. Like we all have our alumni experience and that's great. And, and we should all do that and find joy in that. But also for our undergraduates now and in getting involved, providing support, um, you know, it's not about recreating the experience that I had, you know, 25 years ago at Southern Utah University. Right. It's got to be about creating an experience for these students on their campus that's relevant to them and and provides the support that they need. And that might not necessarily look exactly like it did for me, or they might not care about the same things that I did. And, and you know, I have to be okay with that. Um, I think another thing that's really important as well is, you know, we I do see sometimes alumni get engaged in a way that can be like counterproductive maybe um, or engaged in a way that even if it's well-intended is really um, in some ways enabling uh, some of the destructive or harmful or concerning behavior that we're trying to address in chapters, right? And I think sometimes, you know, it's we need to advocate for our students, right? We want our, our students to, to feel supported and to be treated fairly. Um, but there's also a, a point at which, you know, we, we have to have some standards and expectations. There has to be some accountability and, and we can't just be excusing away some of these behaviors, right? Like um, this can't just be a, a boys will be boys kind of situation. If we're going to be a respected thriving organization that people want on their campuses, then, you know, we need to, you know, live up to that honor principle, right? We need to recognize that um, sometimes that means some hard conversations. Sometimes that means some hard decisions. And um, I think even uh, with some chapters I've worked with over the years, one of the things that I get just so saddened by, maybe, I guess, I don't know what the right word would be, just that you, you kind of hate to see is sometimes you'll see like just these phenomenal alumni that really want to promote a positive Sigma Nu experience, that really want to do it the right way on this campus, and they're getting pushed away by kind of like a toxic alumni base, right? An alumni base that's really enabling the chapter to, you know, go down a path that I would maybe say does not align with probably what we're hoping for and what we're expecting out of our young men and ends up um, making it more of a combative relationship with the headquarters or the campus or more of an adversarial relationship rather than a partnership relationship where we're working to support that student success. Right. And that's, that's something you always hate, hate to see. And I think that's also one where I would encourage, you know, those alumni that feel like they're on the sidelines to, you know, step in to, you know, assert themselves and not be afraid to say like, Hey, I want to, get involved. I want to help our students out and I, I want to address some of these challenges and try to uh, make Sigma Nu what I believe it can be. Yeah, absolutely. It makes me think, uh, you know, I, when I was an undergrad, I had the chance to attend a, uh, a DU initiation. Um, <laughs> DU has a, a an open public uh, ritual. Um, and I remember hearing a, a mentor of mine who strongly advised me to go. And, and the reason that she said that was she was like, you know, ritual, if, if everybody knew what our ritual said, it would force us to have to live up to it because everybody would see that this is what it says and this is what we're supposed to do. Um, mm -hmm. And so I've always appreciated that about DU that, you know, they have a, a non-secret open ritual um, and that you can live truly up to those, those expectations. I think, you know, there's probably some truth into the you know fact that it, we don't really have to think about it or we aren't really held accountable to it because people don't know what is in our ritual, but certainly that res what you just shared kind of resonates with me of like, you know, Hey, we need advisors who can step up and do the work of, of holding us accountable to being a, the organization that our values espouse us to be. Um, 
you know, and, and certainly every generation of student needs that, that level of accountability and support uh, in order to help us realize that, 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 um, that larger mission that, that Sigma Nu uh, is, is working towards. Yeah, sure. And, you know, certainly the, the open ritual is pretty cool. You know, I do, I do enjoy being able to partake in that as a staff member and, and supporting our, our men. And in doing that, actually, it was just at uh, Williams College, where the fraternity was founded this week for our Emerging Leaders Program and got to uh, share with our students kind of um, where that came from and why the organization was established as a non-secret organization and uh but you know kind of as you, as you get more into that just ultimately you realize it's you know secret non-secret you know I don't, I don't know if that means as much as as you get older really what it, what still continues to resonate to me is standing in that room with that guy that group of guys looking at each other knowing that you're making this commitment to each other and, and that you're gonna you know live that out with each other you're gonna hold each other accountable to that you're gonna strive to um kind of be worthy of those commitments that you make to each other and i think that's that's something that i continue to to carry with me yeah well, Noah, uh, we just want to say thank you so much for for joining us uh, today uh, and being on the Gavel Podcast. Uh, certainly, I, you know, have, <laughs> like I said, been looking forward to this opportunity. But uh, just in general, I think uh, it's really valuable for us to be able to um, use you somewhat as a vehicle to kind of help explain some of these larger concepts, especially for you know our advisors and volunteers who you know, do the work of, of interacting with our campus-based professionals, you know, our, uh, you know, our volunteers who also, um, you know, maybe a faculty member on campus or something that also helps support our chapters. Uh, but then they just don't know kind of the, the larger kind of organizational structures that are in place. So uh, helpful to, to get to have that explainer for the AFA, uh, but then also just to hear your story a little bit. Yeah, well, thanks. I appreciate that. And I guess, you know, and certainly I hope uh, maybe some of our alumni out there can can take something out of this and, and certainly appreciate all the work that they're doing. I guess maybe I probably something I should have said in that last answer was uh, was also maybe a little more appreciation for the work of our alumni advisors and advisory boards and the work that we're doing. You know, I think, you know, we're trying to do some good stuff on the international level. I know you guys are putting out some great things. We try to provide some support for them, you know, on the, the association level. But ultimately, like the number one factor I've found in the last 25 years of a good chapter is having a good chapter alumni board and a good chapter alumni advisor right and i think some of the groups out you know you think about the minnesotas the case westerns the oklahoma states the groups that just every year you know they're going to be uh up there as the best that we have in sigma nu and it's just phenomenal alumni support phenomenal alumni advisors really driving that and um and, and so that's what we need absolutely uh, well, Noah, once again, thank you, uh, and it was been, it's been a pleasure. The bright star of Sigma Nu, 10,000 brothers wear you, 10,000 others share you, when college days are through, we still will cling to you. Welcome back, everyone. Um, yeah, wonderful interview with Noah. Um, you know, very cool. And, uh, you know, I think he was a little humble in the middle. But, you know, I do think, you know, given, given the experience he's had, I mean, I, I, I do think, like, you, the, as far as variety of experience and, and uh, you know, time and dedication, and, like, he's, he's got to be up there. And you know, maybe uh, maybe not the, the, you know, top 20 or whatever, but, like, he's, he's definitely got to be up there as far as, uh, you know, uh, time spent, experience, dedication to the, the movement. Um, so I think he was being a little too humble there. But really, really cool to, to hear from Noah. Um, Christopher, any thoughts? Yeah, well, uh, like I said during the interview, I mean, I think it's it's unique that we have this new platform to allow um, alumni to kind of tell their own stories and for us to, uh, to feature unique experiences. And so I... Uh, just look forward to every time that we have the opportunity to line up a new interview and, and get to, to talk to them. And so I'm really just excited that, you know, we were able to give Noah this platform, but then also um, for our listeners um, to learn a little bit more about kind of an area 
of the fraternity world that maybe they're unfamiliar with, but certainly has an impact on on the work that, um, or certainly has an impact on the experiences that they are also helping to create. You know, if, whether they're volunteers or just you know living the day to day experience as an alumnus or a collegiate member. So um, yeah, I thought it was great. I loved it. Yeah. I think it is. It's it's something that you know I, th- I think about sometimes, um, you know, in relation to you know fraternity as a concept and as as a you know an organization or as a movement, right? Like, um, really, the the core purpose is kind of passing down this this knowledge of you know how to be an upstanding citizen, how to be uh, you know, productive, how to be you know, effective, and and doing that you know with uh, uh, you know a crew of peers that that you are. Um, you know, going through life with and, and figuring all this out. So, you know, really when it comes down to it, that uh, in that definition of it, I think volunteers um, and alumni that, that are volunteering their time to work with the chapter are one of the most integral parts of that, right? We're, we're um, increasing that link that people have to, um, you know, this fraternal knowledge that we are, are passing down. So, you know, to, um, you know, it, it just makes me think about how important it is that our, our volunteers are there and that they're they're giving their time to um, to help uh, you know, bring up this this new generation um, and, and like we talked about in the interview a little bit like it's it always goes through cycles and there's always there's always new um, young men that are coming in every day and are, are, you know every year and and uh, new members graduating uh, and becoming alumni and new alumni coming back to volunteer so it's a beautiful cycle and I, I love it so uh, well, Christopher, um, anything we're excited for here coming up? Um, you know, I know we just got done with probably the most exciting period of our, our summer, and maybe we could finally uh, have a, a sigh of relief uh, being done with that. But uh, gearing up for the fall, any, anything you're excited for? Well, I, I would say that you know, for some of our staff, uh, we are you know maybe entering into a a brief lull uh, if there is such a thing. Uh, in our work, but, uh, you know, period before uh, the calm in between the storms. Uh, So now that we're uh, done with grand chapter, we'll very soon be kind of kicking things back up again with the start of the new uh, fall semester and then a new academic year. Um, I am busy at work uh, on our fall uh, 2023 issue of the Delta. So uh, for subscribers to the print issue, you can expect that in your mailboxes around uh, uh, the end of Around the end of September, um, we are uh, we release two issues a year. The last one was in March, and so uh, we're kind of on a March September cycle. So every six months, uh, you should expect a new print issue. Um, but I'm really excited. We've got a lot of cool stories that are, are uh, going to be in that issue. Um, I'm not going to spoil them now, but uh, certainly I think people will be excited to read them whenever they come out. Um, but you just kind of referenced this idea of a continuous cycle, and certainly. Uh, if there is uh, one thing that we can count on, it is that uh, it, every new year begins with recruitment. Uh, we yep. are looking for uh, new members to join the organization. Certainly, recruitment is the lifeblood uh, of the organization. It allows us to continue operating, but then also to continue our mission. Um, and so uh, very soon, students will be returning to campus or uh, arriving to campus for the first time. Uh, And so as with, uh, you know, uh, in a year, we are always on the out or on the lookout for uh, prospective members um, that may desire to join the organization or um, are quality men that could be referred. Um, So if you are a parent, if you are an uncle, if you are a brother, if you are a, you know, sibling, you know, whatever they get, friend of someone you know who, or you yourself are someone who might be interested in Sigma Nu. Um, we have a, a website that you can go to, to, uh, to identify yourself or someone else. Uh, so that way they can be contacted by a member of the general fraternity staff. Um, their contact information can be shared with a um, recruitment officer, recruitment chairman at a various campus that could reach out to the individual uh, and, you know, take them out to lunch, introduce them to the organization or to men who are part of that, that collegiate chapter. Um, the way to do that is go to sigmanu.org slash referral. Uh, it's going to be sigmanu.org slash R-E-F-E-R-R-A-L. Uh, that will take you to the website. Um, Mac McNeely is our director of expansion and recruitment. He um, recently started back in, 
at the, at the beginning of May. Uh, so he has been the director of expansion for a short while, but uh, will be enthusiastic to receive any referrals that can come in and make sure that they get where they need to go uh, so we can recruit the next class of, of outstanding young knights. Absolutely. Um, yeah, th that would be that would be ideal and wonderful. So if you know a, a prospective uh, young man who's uh, headed off on the, the grand journey of uh, um, higher education, uh, definitely let us know. Um, and that link will be in the episode description. Um, Christopher, anything else? I think that's it. All right. Well, um, as always, um, if you enjoyed our episode today, best thing you can do is to uh, share the episode and share the show with a brother. Um, you know, uh, as you learn in fraternity, um, you know, everything's better with your brother. So um, go ahead and share that with, with a brother and uh, let them know that the, the show exists and that they can find it uh, wherever podcasts can be found. Um, yeah. Uh, and until next month, uh, hi, Rickety. That's where, Christopher, you say, hi, Rickety. Hi, Rickety. Yay. <laughs> Woohoo. Bye, everyone. Who am I? Sort of fraternity man am I? A sigma, a noocer, and will be until I die. I'm Rickety Hoop-dee-doo. What's the matter with Sigma-doo? Have a balloon. Terrica, who all together for Sigma-doo? Hey!